Welcome to Around the IT Block Podcast, presented by HPE. I'm your host, the IT Oddfather, Calvin Zito. This is podcast number 19, and you know we've been talking a lot about GreenLake, and with good cause, it's a, it's a huge strategic point for HPE, and it's really kind of what we are all about. Um, and so we're going to keep on the GreenLake topic today. Uh, with me is Ron Irvine. Ron, uh, you and I haven't spoken before, um, but one, for everybody, why don't you tell people what it is you do and uh, what makes you an expert and what we're going to talk about today. Thanks, Kelvin, uh, and great to meet you uh, virtually. So w- what I do is the responsibility for the GreenLake Management Services Portfolio and strategy. I've uh, been at it for a few years now, watching uh, GreenLake Management Services go through a couple of iterations of naming architecture, but also watching it grow up from uh, you know, a relatively small business into the, the significant business that it is today. And that growth coming uh, through the maturation of, of our offerings uh, and our relationships with our customers, moving up the stack from simple infrastructure management up through today where we are workload management across hybrid cloud environments for our customers. So I'm going to have you talk to me about what you think your definition of HPE GreenLake is. I mean, we have been out there doing this for a while. I think we have been delivering kind of pay-as-you-go IT services for a long time. I mean, I, I was on the XP array team back in the early 2000s and we had an offering with XP that was metered storage services way back then but where we are now I think it's worth defining it and being really clear for customers because I think we've really taken a big lead in this space so why don't why don't you start by defining for me what is HPE GreenLake Yeah absolutely Kelvin and you know just as GMS has gone through a maturation process so has GreenLake and today GreenLake for HPE is synonymous with a a full as-a-service experience uh, for our customers. So it has four key elements to it. There is a notion of self-service, which is achieved through all of the investments we're making in the platform and around automation. There is a notion of pay-per-use. I'm just using for that which I paid. And as you rightfully pointed out, that that was really the birthright of of GreenLake, where this all started. And sistered very closely to that notion of pay-per-use is an ability to scale up and scale down as needed. So the notion of elasticity. And the fourth component to that is that this is a managed experience for the customer. I just get to subscribe to the outcome. I don't have to worry about the underlying guts of that solution. I don't have to run the guts of that solution. I'm just getting the outcome and I get to turn that into what I need uh, for, for my business. So it, it really only becomes an as-a-service experience for the customer or a holistic as-a-service experience for the customer when all four of those components are included. And I would describe that as the 2B state that the customer ultimately gets to. But we know that we're, we're dealing not with greenfield customers that are starting their business up and saying, hey, you know, take me to that promised land immediately, but customers who are dealing with today's reality. And for them, this is a journey to, to as a service. So we may have customers who say, love that vision statement of those four elements that you describe as being part of an as a service experience, 
today, immediately, I need a, a pay-per-use model. I need a better way to consume my IT. And we have an answer for them. Uh, we can have customers who start into that journey again by saying, I absolutely buy into that, that 2B state. And while I'm getting there, can you help run my IT estate? And that is every bit as legitimate a launch pad or a starting point into that as a service journey as them selecting any one of those, those levers that ultimately form that complete as a service experience. Well, I was excited to have this conversation because, you know, I've been, we've been talking about HPE GreenLake for a couple of years now, and I never really knew a, a lot about what the GMS was and when does a customer buy those services and when do they not? Obviously, it's based on their need. So we're going to dive into that in a second. I'm going to have you dive deeper into that. But I want to ask you maybe a, a question. You, I'm sh you're talking to a ton of customers. Our customers are talking to competitors who are trying to make offerings that compete with what we're doing. What do you think it is that sets HPE GreenLake apart from the competition? Well, I think we are absolutely the first to step up to this notion of a complete as-a-service experience and, and those four elements. And I think we're also leading the way in terms of embracing the, the wares that that can happen on. Um, so from edges to traditional data centers and colos to embracing the notion of hybrid multi-cloud environments. Uh, I think we are, we are the first and, and frankly, the only company that has both that grounding in our own branded delivered on-prem private cloud experience, while we embrace the notion that a customer has a broader IT estate, and we're, we're absolutely embracing the notion of partnering with them to bring that holistic as a service experience to them across that IT estate. Okay, so let's dive into the, the topic that we're here for, which is the GreenLake Management Services. You kind of defined it as one of the, the four legs of the stool of us delivering as a service. Let's talk a little bit about what do you what are the customer needs that you're hearing that are driving customers to want what we offer with GMS? Yeah, we, we we're basically seeing three what I would describe as three customer personas. And, and the first and the oldest one that we saw was, look, I, I just I need help running my infrastructure. And, and this is kind of the age old story that we've we've had around for quite a while now where customers are both being asked to do more and to do it with less. So. The, the response within IT groups is, look, I need to elevate my game and be much more focused on, on business outcomes and, and you know, aligning to that level of the organization. And in order to do that, I need to shed some, some of the, the historic stuff that I've been responsible for that, make no mistake, is still considered mission critical. You know, IT goes down, the company goes down. So I, I need to keep the infrastructure up and running, but I need to do that in a, a more cost-effective model and a much more predictable model as it relates to SLAs and the promise that I'm delivering back to the company that it's always on that type of thing. So I'm looking for a partner that really specializes in, in this running infrastructure. So that's, that's kind of customer persona one. The second customer persona that we saw emerge was customers saying, I need help running something, not because it's, it's the simple and I need to shed it so that I can elevate my game like infrastructure, but actually because it's, it's nascent to me, it's complex. And we saw this emerge around workloads. Specifically, our first foray into it was around SAP, where our advisory and professional services group was going in and doing a fantastic job 
in the designing and deployment of an SAP environment. And then as they're packing up their toolkit to go home, customers were saying, where do you think you're going? I don't have an SAP bench to run this SAP environment. And I don't see a path forward to making the investment to building and sustaining that bench at a scale, excuse me, at a scale that de-risks it for the, uh, for the company. So I need you to stay and run that environment for me. Again, not because it's simple, but because it's complex. And then the third persona that we've seen emerge over the last couple of years, give or take, is customers saying, look, I, I could run my infrastructure if I wanted to. I could run the workloads. Uh, I, I've inherited public cloud through shadow IT, but I've kind of wrapped my head around it. Uh, the exponential growth of data through the intelligent edge and, and all the IoT functionality that's coming with that is a little scary to me, but I've wrapped my head around it. What I lack is the ability to step back from that and look at the entirety of my IT estate, this three-dimensional chessboard, and run it in a holistic manner so it all looks and feels like one environment to me uh, and make intelligent decisions on what elements should be where, when, and why with the answers to that where, when, and why aligning to my business strategy and the business outcomes that I'm ultimately tasked with with delivering against. I don't want to have to speak 12 different languages. I don't want to speak AWS, Azure, GCP, on-prem private cloud, and traditional IT. I just want it to look like one single homogeneous environment with one language set so it's easier for me to make those intuitive decisions on what, where, why. I've, I've always had this like ongoing issue that I think back to 20 years ago when, you know, actually when Compaq and HPE came together, or HP back then, and one of the industry analysts had this data fact out there that said, you know, customers are spending 80% of their time running IT, so they don't have to spend any time on strategy and innovation. And two, a couple of years ago, I see a data fact out there, and it's still the same percentage. Still, they're spending 80% of their time running IT versus being strategic. Seems to me this is like the, this is the, uh, the shiny stone that we need to make sure customers understand. If you really want to get to a point where you can spend more time on the strategic and less time on the on the day-to-day -day stuff, it seems like these GMS services should be the big thing that's going to help them do that. Am I right? Is it are you seeing that with customers? Are they able to like now focus on strategic and really drive transformation versus just, you know, being in a, a mode every day putting out the fires? Um I don't know that I'd go all the way to you know, customers have reached this Shangri-La of a tipping point where they can focus on strategy because the reality is the, the complexity road has moved under their feet in the last 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, the, the phrase public cloud would get people looking back at you like, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So when you look at the, the exponential complexity that has come into that three-dimensional chessboard of, of the IT estate, Customers have absolutely been trying to shift towards this notion of, of shedding the simple so I can focus on strategy, but that, that uh, the, the floor, the IT road has moved under their feet. So it's just gotten more and more complex. But by every analyst's touch point, absolutely without a doubt, if you are still looking to manage your environment yourself, you're never, ever going to get off that, that that never ending cycle of keeping the lights on, absorbing a completely disproportionate amount of your resources and, and thinking power. 
Well, that is a great point. And one that I actually hadn't thought about is that obviously things have gotten more complex. So it's it's not necessarily that we as an industry haven't made the on-premises infrastructure easier to manage. I think we have. I mean, servers are easier to manage and storage is easier to manage, but it's, you know, the environment around them has gotten more complex. So managing that complexity and now moving into hybrid hybrid cloud and public cloud, I mean, everything has gotten more complex. So uh, I, I love that answer because it's actually been a, an issue for me when I see those slides pop up today and it's like, wait a minute, have we not made an impact at all? Why are we still why are they still spending 80% of their time managing the, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff? So that, that's great. Yeah, and if you think about, you know, the, the three personas that I described earlier, 20 years ago, it was that, can you manage my infrastructure so I can elevate my game? The formula was that simple. Whereas today it is, yeah, it's great that you're managing my infrastructure, but that is just one piece of, or one component of my complete IT estate. It's that IT estate complexity that is, it is you know the, the the stone around the ankle of our customers right now that they're trying to figure out and that's where gms has matured and can really help customers with that and we're doing that with and for customers today so let's talk about a little bit more about the expertise and i'm sure you've kind of touched on it as we've guided through this path of talking about this but what's the expertise that we bring as hpe with the GMS services, um, you know, there's obviously there's tons of people that we have that can help. There are, uh, you know, the loads of experience because we've been doing this stuff for a long, long time. But put put down for me, I don't know if you have a list of like like three personas like you had before. Is there a list of what is it that we bring to the table that make us such a a good partner for customers to choose our GMS services? Yeah. So if you think of the managed services space that that we are in um every every supplier out there that is in this space brings three things to the table they bring people which is the the deep skills that you talked about calvin uh they bring processes you know steeped in in itil methodology and they bring a delivery platform of, of some sort to the table and in this industry, kind of the, the lever that got pulled the most of those three as managed services companies were trying to step up and meet the needs of their customer. And as a result, you know, see their own growth uh, was the people leave. You know, I, I need to move up the stack. I'm going to add those skilled people. I need to expand the size of my practice. I'm going to add those, those people. I need to move into a, a nascent vertical expertise. I'm going to add people with those skill sets. And we recognized about four years ago that there was really a glass ceiling to the scalability of, of that default notion of, of pulling the people lever. And we pivoted very, very, very hard to the platform uh, side of, of things and recognized that the real way to both scale the business and to bring stability, predictability to our customers was through automation in the platform. Um, and let me give you a couple of touch points to, to back up this claim that I'm making that, that we pivoted and we differentiated on that. Uh, touch point number one, three years running now, we have won the TSIA award for uh, innovation in the automation of platform area. It's an award that we've won three years uh, running. Second, let me give you a, a, a statistical touch point on what you can expect out of the platform and automation. When you think of notions of 
event being created and how much of that can be dealt with by the platform versus when do you have to have a, a person step up? There's two key metrics that come into play there. One is this notion of autocorrelation, and then the second is autoremediation. So autocorrelation is Kelvin wakes up in the morning, he hasn't had his coffee yet, he miscues in his password. That creates an event. We're not sure if that's somebody trying to break into your PC or that's just Kelvin that hasn't had his coffee. If the system is smart enough, they'll know this happens every morning at this time. This is Kelvin without his coffee. This is not an event. And so that gets auto-correlated. The industry average for auto-correlation on platforms sits at about 70%. With our platform, we've achieved 99.997% auto-correlation, meaning we strip 99.997% of the noise out of the machine before a human being has to even look at it. Then the second that I referenced is auto-remediation, which is where the system actually fixes the problem before a human has to look at it. We achieve 30% auto-remediation within that narrow 0.003% that's left, which means we're flirting with five nines of noise out of the machine before a human being even has to look at it. For the customer, that represents absolute predictability in terms of the service level, and it allows us to go in at a better price point to our customers because we've taken so much of the people part out of the equation. So there's another term I think back again. Uh, I'm, I've said this before on the podcast, and uh, if you haven't listened to one before, but I, I hate gobbledygook. I hate marketing spin. And I think back to about, again, 20 years ago, and we were talking about self-healing when I don't know that there was really a whole lot of self-healing, but I think what you're really talking about is we have arrived at a point with auto-remediation where we really are learning how to self-heal. Absolutely. And layered on top of that, one of the other differentiations that, that we have is it's a, it's a paradigm shift. It's a mindset shift in terms of what is the value proposition that we're bringing to our customers? If you look at the managed services space his, historically, it's this notion of I will deliver my SLA commitment to you is that I will keep you whole based on what your starting point is. So I promise that I'll keep you looking like that moving forward, which means, again, if you take into account the fact that the road is moving under the customer's feet, every day of that agreement, you're actually falling behind because you're staying set, staying in. in in a stasis while the road is, is moving under your feet. Our commitment to customers is we don't take over your IT strategy, but we will give you our guidance and our advice on how to evolve so that not only is your system self-healing, but your IT strategy sets you up for self-healing against that moving road under your feet so that you're always staying in that advanced position despite the fact that the road is moving under your feet. So early on in the conversation when you were talking about the three personas you threw out there SAP and you know, you know I know we've got a lot of expertise around SAP HANA. What other kinds of um, applications or workloads does GMS look to pick up and help customers with? And I'm, and I'm guessing going again back to the persona thing. Running a VMware farm is probably pretty easy stuff for us to pick up and help customers manage that environment. You mentioned SAP HANA. What are some of the other kinds of 
things that customers are coming saying, this is what I want help with. What can you do for me? Yeah, so you're absolutely right in calling out VM environments as as an example, but I just I want to build on that one in particular because yes, running VM infrastructure, and in fact, running anything that we have built and launched both as a company in more of the traditional IT model as well as in the GreenLake model is table stakes for us. So if HPE builds it, not only can we support it, but we can run it as, to, as well. That, so that's, that's a table stake commitment from GMS. But in addition to that, going back to the VM example, what customers are saying to us is, hey, look, it's great that you can provide me this infrastructure environment that I can layer my own VM environment on top of. And it's great that you can run that for me. But I actually want you to do more than that. I don't want you to just run the VM underlying infrastructure or the VM platform. I want you to run the VM environment itself on top of that. Manage my VM license pool. Spin up the VMs and tear them back down for me. So actually get in and run that VM environment. So we can, we layer on to where we're actually up and running the VM as a workload, not just the underlying infrastructure or platform that supports that workload. That extends over to things like MLOps, uh, to high-performance uh, computing. As we roll out our uh, Microsoft Azure Stack uh, HCI environments, it's about seamlessly stitching that on-prem Azure Stack environment together with the customer's public-facing Azure environment to provide a seamless HCI framework for them, not just the, the on-prem uh, version of it as well. So uh, those are some specific examples to try and paint a, a, a more generalized statement, and that is where we really specialize as GMS is delivering to that customer's higher level workload expectation, not just the infrastructure for workload expectation. And I know this might be a really hard question to answer directly and an indirect answer is fine, but you know, one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is when, when is GreenLake too big for a customer? I mean, obviously we have SMBs. I don't even know how people define SMBs anymore. I mean, everybody has a different definition. I think it used to be like, you know, a thousand employees. I don't know if that's a relevant description anymore, but when does, when does GreenLake with GMS services become, I don't know if this is the right way to answer the ask the question, Ron, but when is it too big for the size of the customer? I mean, what, what's, the, what's, what's the starting point? I mean, obviously, if you're a mom and pop shop and you're running three servers with 30 VMs, you're probably not going to look at a GMS services. So where, what, what's the starting point where it starts to make economic sense for a customer? Yeah, so it, it's a really, really good question. And it is somewhat solution dependent. Uh, but as a general rule of thumb, you know, a customer who's dealing with kind of sub 200 nodes of, of a thing, of, of something, um, we're probably a little too, too big for them uh, at that point. And when I say we, that all in uh, inclusive solution that has the four elements inclusive of managed for you. It doesn't mean that we couldn't bring a very valid consumption only option to them at that point in time but you know that that's kind of the threshold for at what point that that holistic uh, solution doesn't make sense anymore now 
through automation and um, you know kind of skinning down the, the footprint that we need at at our customer site who you were about to launch a, a virtual appliance that is effectively our our point of presence at the customer site that should lower that that threshold but as as we continue to uh, our shift towards automation and the platform then that threshold should come down but that's that's kind of where it sits today and, and you know, again i've got these thoughts that i always have and i probably repeat them in too many podcasts but you know the whole mo motion that customers had a few years ago around um you know public cloud first kind of strategies personally i think they were kind of failed strategies because it should be about workloads and where workloads are more apt to run to you know to run so from your perspective i mean we live in a from my perspective too we live in a hybrid world it's gonna be hybrid we're talking multi-cloud what 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 really are the key points here as we think about that play with the public cloud and what we do with a private cloud on premises, what is it that we bring to the table for customers to make that an easier, an easier play? Yeah. So, you know, as a company, I think we are in the shift and we need to continue the shift away from old thinking of, you know, public, bad, private, good. Uh, and we need to recognize exactly what you just said, Kelvin, and that is the world is hybrid and it's going to remain that way. And we we saw workloads and customers migrate towards the public cloud and then you know have a bit of a a retraction from that and 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 a rebalancing. And it it's it's not going to go away. And this really speaks to that third persona that I, I spoke of earlier, where customers say. I've got this complex IT estate and I really need help demystifying it. And when we get this model right, when we deliver to that level, we differentiate ourselves so much in the marketplace that I would dare say we can relegate the hyperscalers to the role of commodity. And let me give you an example. You don't see AWS standing up and say, come on, customers, we are happy to run your AWS environment for you, including your public cloud footprint and your outpost footprint, but we're also happy to run your Azure and your Azure Stack environment for you and your GCP environment for you and you know elements of your traditional IT. There's not a hyperscaler out there that has that as part of their business strategy. And there's actually very, very few companies that have this, we will embrace the entirety of your IT estate strategy uh, for, for customers. So again, a simple example in our own HPC offering, we've had customers come forward and say, love what you've got in HPC. Can you give me first ability to AWS uh, with that? And our answer to that, the GMS answer to that is absolutely we can. Um, we have a, a, a corner case with a, uh, a chemical company in India that uh, it was the merger of two very large chemical companies. And it just so happened that one had a, we're all in on public cloud strategy, and the other one had a, we're all in on private uh, strategy. And as they were coming together, they were at least intuitive enough to say, we don't want to have to make this binary decision. We want to understand if there's a best of both worlds model that we can adopt, but we don't have a clue how to go about doing that. So HPE, can you help us? And GMS stepped forward. 
And as a result, we are, we are managing and continuously advising them on the evolution of their true hybrid multi-cloud uh, environment. And we just renewed with them, which shows that they like what we're doing for them in not just the day-to-day management of that hybrid cloud environment, but the ongoing advice on how to evolve it. Ron, I think I'm getting a really good idea of what we are delivering, what the advantages are. I, I want to point out that there's been other GreenLake um, podcasts I've done. I'm going to give them in order of the numbers, but these aren't necessarily in the order of what you should listen to them. But if you haven't listened to number 10, we talk about Lighthouse in uh, episode number 13. We talked about a general overview of HPE Edge to Cloud Platform with HPE GreenLake. 16, we talked about GreenLake Central. And then in the last podcast, number 18, which I don't know, these, this one that we just did and the one with uh, Malcolm, I don't know which one's going to be my favorite, but number 18, we talked about um, colos and the advantages that we have with GreenLake in a colo. So lots to listen to, lots to really come up to speed on GreenLake. Ron, for people that want to know more about GreenLake management services, what we've talked about here is GMS, where can people find more? Come and find us at hpe.com slash management services, all one word. Cool. Easy to remember, easy to find. Ron, this is, a, again, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I've learned a lot. And for me, I think that always means I've had a successful episode if I've learned from it. Again, thanks for joining me, Ron. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for having me, Kelvin. Really enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, and many other podcast subscription services. We've also just got a new home on hpe.com. You can find the podcast on hpe.com slash dmn slash a-t-i-t-b. Love hearing from you on Twitter, where you can find me as Calvin Zito. You can find our blogs at community.hpe.com. Until next time, thanks for joining me.